Welcome to the Circularity Edge podcast, where we discuss the latest news and perspectives on the circular economy and issues relating to social, environmental, and economic sustainability. Join us every week when we discuss what's needed to create a sustainable, circular economy worldwide. Now, here is your host, Ken Alston. Hello, this is Ken Alston with the Circularity Edge podcast. And today I have the pleasure of talking with Catherine Ruggiero Lovisi, the CEO of Modern Meadow. Welcome, Catherine. Well, thank you, Ken, for welcoming uh, me to your podcast. I really sincerely appreciate it. Well, I was intrigued when I came across your site. And, um, you know, I do this occasional podcast when I find people and companies that uh, intrigue me and I, people I like to have a conversation with. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. You know, when I when I first went to the website, the in big bold letters we we see, um, yeah, where natural inspiration meets extraordinary innovation. That's a, a really big statement, and I, I liked it a lot. Can you say a little bit more about uh, how that comes to light in in your company? Of course, um, and I think that you can see the passion of everybody at Modern Meadow when you hear when you listen or you read this statement. To be precise, I think what is interesting is to understand what Modern Meadow is, and we are a protein design and application powerhouse. That's what we do. We create next generation material using synthetic biology. So this is where we harness the the, the magic of nature, if you want, and we 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 bring the knowledge and and the power of innovation brought by science. So uh, as I said, we take we take protein and we use them as building block for biofabrication. And that the objective in doing that is, is first nature has amazing thing and we need to learn from it. But the second is we can combine those properties to try to develop material that could be used in the textile industry or in beauty or in biomed, but without animal input and reducing petrochemical to the you know, end level. And the way we deploy this technology is through um, top tier partnership. So we are really a fundamentally uh, uh, an R&D organization. We are a platform and we go down and and work with um, expert in textile, expert in beauty and biomed to bring those those amazing innovation to market. Well, you know, as we all know, sustainability is a big, big topic, enormous topic. And uh, just that very idea of understanding nature in it in itself is um, is enough for probably a lifetime of podcasts. Um, but you know, we you and I both come from a, a fast moving consumer goods background. I think you were with uh, with L'Oreal, is that right? This is Among correct. Others. And I was with S.T. Johnson. And you know, the the conventional view of sustainability is that whenever we make and sell and use anything, it's bad for the for the environment, bad for the world. There's always an implicit everything's bad how are you changing that paradigm so that you know you don't start from the presumption that things are bad and you you can have more sales and you can have growth correct and i think that it's it's being in b corp and and both of us have been there we understand how challenging sometimes it can be uh to create the necessary innovation but also to pivot i think this is also why i came to monometto is this uh, a fundamental understanding that you don't need to compromise uh, for uh, for sustainability or performance because you and I know without performance there is no consumption. So um, that is where at Monumento from the get go the way we innovate and we go from discovery uh, to innovation to commercialization 
we integrate three different parameters, if you want. One is the actual performance. What does the product, what, what are the problems we're trying to solve? Uh, and how do you quantify this through KPIs that are very quantifiable? The second is the sustainability. How do we make a positive impact? Um, so it can be in terms of the input that we select, uh, the process that it's, you know, the industrial process it goes through, and the and eventually the, the output of that exercise. And the third is, is scalability, because there are fantastic innovation out there, and there is a lot of bright people, smart people trying to do a lot of things. But the fundamental problem right now is the ability to go to market. So what we say is that we have innovation that have fundamental benefit, both in performance and sustainability. But are we going to stay where we are today? No. As, as we say, we're going to go from bio-replacement to bio-better to bio-best, meaning biology can bring even better performance than what has happened today uh, with petrochemical industry, if you want, or, or animal input, if you want. So this is our fundamental mission and objective, um, if it helps. It does. Well, and I think you know, bringing up this idea of cost, performance, and aesthetics, I mean, these are, of course, the, the three traditional design criteria that you must have in right. making anything. And there's always this assumption that there are trade-offs. And the trade-off you know, tends to be that the environment gets left behind because you can't not have performance in the product. Um, but you're, you're, you know, you're starting from a different assumption. And then, and and this, is a, this is an assumption that, yes, it is different because we, we, we believe this is the right way to measure, first of all, because today sustainability doesn't have a cost, meaning the non-sustainable option doesn't have a real cost. But we believe that in addition to the techno-economics that we bring, which is product that are, um, uh, uh, you know, financially bearable by, by the incumbent today, we believe in the future sustainability the same way uh, it's going to have a cost, meaning that if you're not sustainable, you're going to have to be paying either because uh, the cost of your raw material is going to go up, either because insurance are not going to cover you, either because you will be demanding to leave, to uh, to manage the life of the product you are producing. So we're just a little bit ahead of the curve by assuming that this is a, a KPI you need to integrate in your economic equation. But this is going to become a reality because bottom line, um, all regulation right now are moving in the same direction. We can't continue to produce the way we're doing today. And therefore, if if we as, as corporate don't understand that there is an a, a option and a direction and a positive direction for all of us, eventually we will be forced to go there. You know, so yeah, it's part um, of a risk reduction. It's a long term, medium term okay. risk reduction strategy. But you also, you know, you put the word positive before the word impact in that in when you just reeled off your, your statement of how you're working. And I think I, I'd like to just pause for a second and go back to it, because I think this is so important, this, this idea that everybody always assumes that impacts are negative. There's only negative impacts and people aren't seeing that. No, no, that's only half of the story. Maybe it's been that way in the past, but it doesn't have to be when you make it your intention to do something different. And that's another word I picked up from your website is your intentionality. And so say a little bit about your vision and your intentionality for the company. Well, I think that in terms of the intentionality, I think we want to have, as I say, a real world impact, right? So we understand that this will come. Uh, we are not perfect today. We are not providing a perfect technology today, but it's better than than many 
Um, I, I can say, and I'm very proud of that. And um, But we are going to continue, and, and that's why we want to remain in our in the organization, because we want to continue to progress in that direction. So the international, the, the, the intention that we have is to make science work with those fundamental requirements. Again, performance, sustainability, and, and, and scalability. Now, in terms of positive impact, I think that there is multiple positive impact that we should consider um, of course, you can always say, oh, wow, sustainability as a cost, whatever, et cetera. Okay. But part of it is, again, the, the cost is going to rise because right now a lot of industries that are petrochemical are subsidized. So the price is not the real one. And again, not company are not responsible for the full gamut of their, of their product life. Um, we believe there is a, a positive way to look at this. We believe that if you include in your uh, innovation process, input that are readily available that eventually you can produce locally um, rather than to centralize and move goods or components from one place of the world to another, that you have a technology that improves and you identify, uh, you improve uh, uh, um, quality to extend life, to uh, extend usage, but also when you identify ways to improve circularity, or when you do also integrate end of life, uh, whatever it may be, a lot of people overuse the word biodegradability or, or recycling, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that this is uh, a journey that we all embarking and we're using um, science to try to solve the problem. And this is where it's positive impact, both on a social, economic and environmental way. If you produce locally, you are not displacing labor. You're making sure you are connected to your community. And of course, accountability becomes way more tangible because you're breathing the air where you're producing and you're drinking the water where you're producing. Um, uh, it's it's also economics. Again, you're not, you, you're producing locally, short, shorter um, lead time, short, more flexibility, risk management, et cetera, et cetera. We've seen it with the pandemic. Logistic is is an interesting. Uh, yes, everybody uh, learned a lot of lessons from that. Correct. I think I think the use of language is super important too, and that's why I, you know, going around your website, you 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 use a lot of terms that a lot of other companies don't use, and you do it in the right way, which is what I what I like. I mean, you know, even just talking there about end of use. You know, I always talk about end of use, not end of life, because most of the products aren't alive. You, you know, you you have a bio based program and you're using live organisms right in your fermentation so that part of your process literally is alive um, I think we overuse the analogy of end of life I, if you think of end of use then you can think about the next use and reuse and so I, I'm, I'm happy that you talked about end of you know, use there because I think that's an important switch in language that helps people think about things. Say a little bit more about the local, how you how you see the local developing. Because I, I've worked a lot in South America and the situation is obviously very different than in, in Europe where there's a lot of talk and easy money for, you know, circ sustainable circularity things. Um, and, you know, getting more people employed is a really important part of what's needed in, in, in countries that are still, you know, in the southern uh, part of the world. Uh, and I think the idea of local more local manufacturing and keeping things moving locally uh, is, is super important. I, I think it's important, as I mentioned, for, for, for the social impact, but also the, the, the environmental impact. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lower carbon footprint, right? You, you are not moving component from one place to the next. 
but I think that this is where when we use uh, ingredient or we develop um, and, and we produce our engineer protein, uh, we use uh, input that are readily available. And these, when I say readily available, is meaning that they are accessible price-wise, but they're also available worldwide. So when you scale up and at some point you produce in one part of the world, you know that you have you know, potentials, financial potential. You, you can go somewhere else and make money, matter of speaking. And rather than to move that production uh, once produced, you actually produce locally. And this is a fundamental of, of our business model. We want to make sure that as we grow, we can implement and we can do the tech transfer if needed, um, because our objective is not either to build new factories. We try to be uh, very clear on the industrial uh, capability that exists today and work our technology into it. That's why we are a drop-in technology. So in fact, we are trying to nicely and kindly displace petrochemical by using the same infrastructure, but just removing the input. So this is another way to accelerate adoption. So when when you there's a lot of confusion, as you know, in the in the nomenclature about things in the bio-based economy. And um, <clears throat> there are always concerns about, well, there's only so much productive land. Say a little bit about how you know your your process doesn't encroach on the use of land for agriculture that that bio side of things no i think that i mean there's two we use two type of of uh, protein uh, base right one is a plant based protein that we reengineer and that we purify or produce accordingly and then we do recombinant protein so we actually engineer protein and it's a fermentation fermentation based process so obviously if we, if you if you take the plant sure that you source the you know a, a, a very high uh, a productive plant if you want that uh, already exists that is controlled that is regenerative agriculture base etc etc and in our case what is interesting is um what we are uh, our bioalloy which is a combination of protein and polymer um is extremely powerful you don't need large quantity of the bioalloy to make a fundamental and significant impact in your product. This is also what makes the science powerful. You don't need as much because it is so strong. Uh, when you do a fermentation base, de facto, you are, you know, it's, it's, it's fermentation. So you are not using land the same way you would do it if you were um, uh, taking from, you know, the animal kingdom or anything else. So indeed, in terms of um, the impact on biodiversity, land use, et cetera, et cetera, it is, uh, it is very different in terms of profile. Um, and the way we are trying to keep ourselves honest and continue to design with those KPI in mind is by doing LCAs. So um, we do hotspot and LCAs to make sure that what we produce is what we think, uh, um, we, we really quantify the impact it may have versus other type of material or production process. Yeah, I think that LCAs could be a whole whole other conversation. Oh yes, it is enough. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. But you know what I, I did one of the very first ones at SC Johnson <laughs> 30 years ago with uh, um aerosols versus trigger sprayers. So you know I mean all the issues of where you set your boundaries and so on. It's it's oh, a very complex and this is why we, we do peer review as well. Yeah. Um to make sure that again, you know, we want to create um, trust, and also, um, if we do something wrong, we want to know it. 
Um, the, the the third part is we need to find ways to compare ourselves and get better. So even if an LCA is not great, if you are honest in putting the things on the table, then you see your progression toward a better result. That is also and the transparency of making it clear what the boundaries are and what assumptions you've made. Yeah, I mean then it's fair. Yeah. So I was going to ask you a little bit about um, the the customers that you're serving. I mean when when I was back in the day doing one of the very early uh, consumer reports with uh, the Roper organization in the very early days of what was called, you know, green, the green consumer. And I, I hate the term because I don't think there should be anything that's green. It should just be it done in the right way. Um, but the early work with the Roper, you know, they came up with Roper organization, came up with a lot of market segmentation, you know, like, they had sprouts, you know, people were just beginning to get to know it and true blue greens and all, all the typical way, you know, research companies try to segment the marketplace. And they actually, they've just come out with a new report with a whole new set of um, of segmentations. How are you seeing your market? How are you seeing people see what you're offering? Are you seeing some different segments taking different views? Well, I think that... I think your background in mind, you know, it's sustainability is today what safety was 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. It is a plus, but soon, I hope for all of us, it becomes a non-negotiable. So in the same thing as safety, the adoption curve is there. So you have in, indeed the early adopter that understand the benefit of using sustainable option versus unsustainable one which is all relative, but, um, and, and it's, and you, you, we've passed that. I think that we are way uh, ahead in the, in the adoption curve for many reasons, right? I think that the climate change question is not, is not a, a question anymore. It's, it's how bad it's going to be uh, or not. Um, I think that, so therefore there's a general awareness there. I think it's also company have understood that they have, um, multiple um uh there's going to be multiple benefit for them to tackle this challenge obviously their employees demand it their shareholder re requires it their customer and customer want to have a better option than the one they have today a more sustainable option at the same price or almost and and they're going as far as saying you are responsible because you are producing. So it's not a, a, a negotiable anymore. It's what you need to do. So companies are already there. And then finally, again, as I was saying, governments, right? Their governments are also understanding that for the health, the wealth, and the well-being of their constituent, they have to move in a certain direction, integrating sustainability, and then you have the typical pressure, right? You 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 have insurance company asking you what the hell you're doing. Yeah, there's so many tailwinds that are that are pushing this in this direction. Therefore, the the conversation we may have had five years ago is rather different than the one we have today. Most of the question we have is explain to us how sustainable and how you quantify that. It show us the the performance that you are um, going to deliver and um, explain to us your scalability uh, and your capabilities. I think the conversation is not anymore. Why do I need that? It's about, okay, how do we get to work? Yeah, and understanding what it is, what are the benefits that you're bringing with okay. your particular technology. Yeah. So the, the, the two parts of your, your organization, the one that's more tailored to, to beauty, and then the one that's in the- um, yeah, Materials, yeah, textiles. Yeah, materials side. How do you, how, how are they, 
similar, different? How well, are they I, coming along? I think the reason why we have the ability, and these are the first two, right? But we're going to be in bio, biomedical eventually. We're going to be in many more vertical. I think that we need to go back to the two tech platform that we have as Monomedo. The first one is we call it BioFarm, which is our ability to uh, basically develop and produce via fermentation recombinant protein. So that's what we do. We design, we engineer, we ferment, and, and we go to scale through through precision fermentation tanks that we, we, we have partner for that. So first you have this amazing knowledge about what protein does and how you put the, the, the bits together to do exactly what you want them to do. Uh, and that therefore applies to every type of business we can uh, we can think about because people forget forget that protein exists in material. You know when you talk about wool, when you talk about silk, all those things people don't realize they are protein. That's why they work. So we just capture this um, th those capability at the molecular weight at the molecular base, and then we we compose it. Then we have a second platform, which we call bioalloy, which is the ability to combine, again, protein with polymer. And this is polymers are multiple. We can use BioPU, we can use uh, HA, we have many polymers. And this is pretty incredible because before modern metal, there was about 11 or 12 alloy available in the world. And when we talk alloy, it's basically two things combined together that you cannot dissociate. And the power of each ingredient is actually amplified by combining. So we have created those amazing alloy that can perform better than nature because you're combining those two things together to create amazing performance. And this is what you we use in all of our different business initiatives. Um, both on a product standpoint and on the process, industrial process standpoint. Which side of it, the house is it that where you're doing the work that applies to textiles? Is that more on the natural beauty side? We we use, so we have um, um, multi, multiple business. So we have uh, biomaterials, which allows us to produce um, and what we have sold through companies like Sunrave or Everlane. So uh, coated textile, uh, dyed textile, um, that have incredible performance in terms of abrasion, in terms of um, um, breathability, diability, et cetera, et cetera, but also have, uh, in the case of of, uh, uh, of of the two material that I mentioned, a high bio content. On the on the beauty side, we have an ingredient that is, you know, coming from fermentation that is called biocollagen, and it's a, it's an, a collagen that um, that is safe, <laughs> compatible. Uh, again, very traceable because it's fermentation. Um, but it's also not only does it replenish your skin, but also help um, the production of the youth collagen, which we call it. That's the nickname for collagen three. So, again, we have specific ingredient with very specific um, uh, performance um, that are today in the market. So on the on the fabric side, are are there are those materials more likely to have an end of use utilization path? So the the first material that we have coming out, yes, I mean they are very um, they are lightweight, they are simpler material systems. So the the you use less input. Um, we have up to seventy percent bio content, but fundamentally those are very durable. Um, uh, uh, well-performing material that feel like leather, but they are not. If you touch, if you feel, you touch and feel, and we always do the test, 
you will not see the difference. I mean, no consumer to date can see the difference or even brand person. We actually propose them um, because a lot of the leather material, what we call natural you know, material are actually, we use plastic in them. So that's also what people need to be aware is what they think is organic and natural today does uh, go through an industrial process, which will use petrochemical. Yeah, and also depends on the tanning process to how, how much of an issue there is there too. Correct. So, so I think that what is interesting, you bring to market a product that is um, not only delights, but is durable and, and can be therefore um, have an extended life. It seems Thank like you're doing a lot of really good good things and uh, very well thought through. Uh, but thank you. Uh, I hope this was uh, this was helpful. Thank you very much. Yeah, no, you're very welcome. You've been listening to the Circularity Edge podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at www.circularityedge.com. Until next time, bye Circular. Circular.